everyone, and welcome back to another episode of We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. I am Brandon, as always, always here with Paul. Yo, yo, what's up, people? Uh, Paul here again, another episode. Uh, let's get to it. And sometimes here with Dan. Just sometimes. But I'm here today. Just every now and then. And uh, today we're covering Season 1, Episode 28, The City on the Edge of Forever. Original air date, Paramount says, was April 5th, 1967. Every other source I have says April 6th, 1967. And now I'm starting to wonder if I've been wrong on every single one of these because Paramount is probably wrong on every single one of these. <laughs> uh, could be. Who knows? Uh, the other thing that they're wrong about is they don't have any fucking English subtitles for this episode. So I was oh, back, back to German. That, by the way? I tried. Um, they well, my computer has this thing where they're like, "Yeah, we can do auto subtitles for you." And I was like, "Sweet, that'll that'll help out." And I turned that thing on, and it was all just complete fucking gibberish. Not one word of it made sense, and I don't know how people use that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was a really good time. So, yeah, we're just gonna go ahead and dive right in and talk about this episode. Uh, it opens obviously with the Enterprise orbiting a planet and inside the bridge. Uh, just start shaking from all of the space turbulence that they're dealing with. And uh, Kirk is just kind of giving out orders, tells Sulu to maintain orbit. So, hey, Sulu's back, thank God. Back from vacation. Yeah, he just needed a day off. And uh, Scotty warns that their control circuits are going to overload because that ship just can't take much more of whatever's happening to it. And then shortly after, Sulu's helm just fucking explodes and throws him to the ground, like just tosses him from his Which station. Which was very, very different for the show and kind of weird in a way, honestly. Yeah, dude, I thought I thought it was going to be like Sulu in trouble episode. Like he was going to be I don't know, like in the med bay or something, just like fighting for his life, but no, he was totally cool. Um one thing that happened though, I noticed is kind of a strange. He called sick bay the bridge, by the way. I've never yeah. I've never seen him call the medical team to the bridge or or call the medical team anywhere, and I remember him saying call him sick bay either. Maybe maybe it was just me. But yeah, I just, why I didn't never... they say that they need like a medic or a doctor? Like you can't bring. It's just McCoy shows up with the entire sick bay room, just the whole fucking room, just puts it yeah, in there. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. It's the first time he has to ask for help before. I thought it was kind of interesting. Well, a lot yeah. of times Bones is on, is up there already, so maybe that's why. Yeah, that's I don't true. Know, but pe- people have been hurt on planets though, but people hurt on planets and he doesn't call. I, I don't remember him call Bones like for medical attention immediately. Bones is kind of there. So I've never actually—I don't remember actually him call Bones to a situation. Not Bones not already being there. We called him down for plans. the the burnt pizza monster. <laughs> called him, called him down to oh, help yeah, yeah, yeah. out. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I think normally, yeah, McCoy's usually there because they just needed a medical officer on their exploits. So yeah, that makes sense. I mean, he he is always there just in case somebody gets hurt. I guess. Yeah. So the, this is the first time I actually heard him call. McCoy to come to something, which I thought was interesting. Right. Which actually, that makes me think about the beginning of this show and like where we are now, because in the beginning, remember, they were just like, yeah, we're just doing routine checkups on doctors and stuff. And, you know, we're just going here. We're going there. And then it just became this thing like, yeah, we're always stopping a war or stopping the fucking galaxy from ending. Like, man, they really they really changed up what they were doing in this series from the beginning to now. Yeah, Like at the beginning, it was really small stakes, things like that. And now that we're further in, it seemed the stakes have risen a lot higher to be more epic rather than regular stakes. Right. Well, they're just in a very bad part of the galaxy currently. Yeah, they're in that part of the galaxy. Like, you got to roll up your windows when you fly by. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kirk hits the fucking lock. Like, he's got just, like, an old school door lock on his uh, seat there. (laughs) He just fucking slaps it. And he's like, this is a bad neighborhood, guys. You got a club for the... (laughs) 
Yeah, the, club for the helm. <laughs> the shuttle. Yeah, look at the club across it. Like what? Yeah. So, uh, so, so Sulu gets tossed down, and uh, Spock says that they're actually passing through some ripples in time, which is just random as shit. And Kirk turns to Uhura and orders her to send his recent logs to Starfleet Command just in case something happens and to inform them that something or someone on the planet can affect changes in time, causing turbulent waves of space displacement. He's probably like another god down there. Another god-like creature. And uh, the McCoy, he shows up on the bridge to help Sulu out and uh, he says, oh yeah, Sulu's cool, he just has a little heart flutter and he says he's going to give him some Cordrazine. And uh, he gets this little needle out, and Kirk starts to give some advice. And uh, McCoy's just like, whatever. And he just pokes Sulu with this thing, and, and Sulu wakes up immediately. And uh, they have a little joke like between McCoy and Kirk where McCoy's like, oh, you were about to give medical advice? And Kirk's just like, yeah, shut up before I slap you. <laughs> That's one thing I like about McCoy. He's straight up like, he's like, yo, this is me. Yeah. This is what I do. Like, what are you talking that's the one thing I like about a relationship. McCoy's not afraid to, if it comes to medical issues, he's not afraid to tell the captain what he thinks exactly what it is right. almost all the time. So um, Spock announces that they're plotting the last of the time ripples and that they hit a huge wave or that they do hit a huge wave and uh, everybody gets tossed around and McCoy accidentally injects himself with his uh, all of his remaining Cordrazine or Cordrazine. What is it? Cordrazine? Yeah. Then he just starts absolutely freaking out, talking about killing people and, and calling everybody around him a bunch of murderers and killers. And he just, he fucking freaks out and runs I off. I don't know. I think his freak out was really, really good acting, by the way. Yeah. Because it caught me off guard. I was like, uh, wow, he's really going for this, like, for real. And, like, it was very, very, it was almost like uh, Nick, Nicholas Cage's acting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like he went way, way over the top, but like it caught me off guard. So I was a, I was a huge fan of the way it went down. I was like, oh, cool, it's real acting. I liked it a lot. So yeah, I've really liked uh, DeForest Kelly through this entire series. I think Bones is actually like legitimately my favorite character. Okay, I see. I didn't know his name. So just now, you see, you know what happened? DeForest Kelly. Why McCoy was fe- uh, freaking out? He accidentally grabbed Scotty's stuff. And not, you know, oh, the yeah. medicine from the medical bay. Uh, oh, yeah. It's a, it's a little, <laughs> it's alcohol. Scotty's got that crazy stuff. <laughs> He's got that good shit. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> wow. Scotty lives in the area where they have to lock the ship when they drive by. And nobody messes with him <laughs> in that area. <laughs> That's where he hangs out at for fun. Yep. That's We don't ever follow him around because his adventures are uh, too adult-like for Paramount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so bones he he freaks out he runs off and then kirk calls a security alert and we we go to the show opening from there and we come back with a captain's log that kirk is basically explaining in the log that two drops of cordrazine is enough to save somebody's life and 100 times that amount was what was injected into mccoy and that wouldn't even uh wouldn't even phase old scotty <laughs> He, Scotty needs like 300 yeah. times. He goes out a Tuesday morning. Like, oh, it's just a, yeah. It's just a Thursday for him. Yeah, just, just a Thursday, it, man. That's, like, that's what he does to help himself sleep at night. Is like 300 <laughs> times that plus a shot of whiskey, and he sleeps like a baby. Calms him down. Puts yeah. him straight to sleep. Yep. <laughs> so in the uh, the log, Kirk just explains that they don't know what's going to happen with McCoy and whether the effects are going to be permanent or temporary. Permanent or temporary. Temporary. Wow, I cannot say that at all. But you know, which is fair because they're not doctors, so they wouldn't know what would happen. 
And I imagine that nobody takes that much of that shit, which why would that all of that be loaded up into one syringe anyway? Like if you're not supposed to have like give anybody that much, why would it all be in one device? Listen, listen. Don't use common logic for no, simple right. things because <laughs> I was going to lose my mind on myself about that situation. I'm like there's no safety there's no safety syringe, there's no not full load cuz he said 100 times the amount. Yeah. So why, so why would you load up uh, something with a hundred times the amount of product. It just don't make any sense to me personally. Yeah, like, look, don't ever give anybody more than two drops of this, but here's a syringe with eight gallons in it. Yeah. <laughs> you just don't. <laughs> exactly. It should last you a while. That's what, that's part of the thing I was talking about too. Keep it out of Scotty's hands. And nobody's worried that, uh, you know, they just shared a needle also. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you think that's an issue in the future? I feel like they probably have solved a, a pretty much all the problems that are going to come from that. They well, probably don't even have, like, STDs and shit. In the future, they probably have Whoa, all the that's why Kurt's diseases around anyway. the universe. Then, well, have we seen yeah. anybody die to a disease yet? Like an actual, like, mm, uh, besides, besides a virus, like that, like that attacks somebody, like an actual disease or not? I don't. Well, the only the thing I think where that they comes were getting drunk, is... people were dying, but they weren't on the on the Enterprise at the time, though. I don't think anyone died in the episode once they got to the Enterprise, did they? I can't remember. Yeah, I, I don't think so. And yeah, I think the only like disease-related one is the one with the kids that would age really quickly, but that wasn't really a disease and more of like a, a viral outbreak. So yeah, and they, they yeah, found a cure so. that too. So yeah, they yeah. they solved that pretty yeah, short. Yeah, so like they so. just go around find a good show, just solve it real quick. Like like somebody might die here and there from issues, but they normally end up solving and finding the cure. Yeah, super fast. I'm assuming. Yeah, they probably got they probably got a pill to get rid of all diseases. Like, yeah, girl, probably. Clean. I don't care if you're cleaning up, baby. I got me. I got. I got one of these pills. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't. Know, I don't know what it's called, but <laughs> yeah, it's just like a cure all for everything. It's, I bet. it's a cure all. Just a wild night last night. Yeah, bro, you got a cure all. Yeah, sure. Well, no, everything's good. It's like a Plan B for STDs. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> a plan. Oh, that's not, that's not that funny. I shouldn't laugh that hard. Okay. Yeah, so meanwhile, uh, McCoy goes to the transport room and just fucks up this engineer, just knocks him out, and uh, takes the engineer's phaser, and he just beams himself somewhere. He's like, I'm off okay. this fucking ship of weirdos. Hold on, I, I got a complaint right here. As many times have we seen those people in the, you know, the beam people down get knocked out, why is there not permanent security in there at all time? Because they would that's be useless, point. and they know that. Security's useless. Yeah, but you see oh, the chop true. that uh, McCoy gave him, by the way? He gave oh, him yeah. a shoulder. Judo he, chop. He, 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 no, no, he gave him, dude, he gave him like a butt chop first. You see the butt chop? <laughs> he gave him a chop down to his butt on his back, like, yeah. And he came up with his hot butt chop, too. He said, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, okay. I didn't I see, see a butt chop. You, you didn't when, see the butt chop? Did, did you, no. <laughs> I didn't see it oh, either. Oh, my God. Oh my gosh! Next time, next time you watch it again, it was like it was a double chop, man. It was like a, like a, it was like a butt chop and then a, a, a top chop. When, when he did the judo chop, all I could think of Austin Powers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, now he, I need he, to go back and see the butt chop. He's like, yeah, Damn, man. The only killer in this place is them cheeks, and just fucking gives them a slap. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta watch it again. Oh my gosh, you give him give him a little butt chop. Just yeah. So back on the bridge, Kirk and Spock are talking about how the records show that uh, in doses such as this, the patient that receives the cortisine experiences uh, wild paranoia and that they become convinced that they're in danger and seek escape at any cost. So that's why McCoy is acting like a fucking madman. So he thinks everybody's out to kill him. So they do know what happens when you inject, you know, 100% of that crap into you. Right. And they still put it all in that syringe. 
But they get a call from security and they say security says that they found the transporter chief injured and that McCoy has beamed himself down to the planet. So Spock points out that at the time, uh, the transporter was focused on the center of the time disturbance. And uh, Kirk decides to set up a landing party and, and go after McCoy. So they do that. They beam down to the planet with uh, Kirk and Spock and Scotty and a couple of security dudes. And Uhura is actually there, which is crazy because she's getting off the fucking ship for the that's, first time in like the whole damn series. And it finally gets some time note, to dude. shine. Yeah. I, I wrote my note. I said, my girl, Uhura. I said, I said in two randoms. Yeah. And it's about fucking time, dude. She's been really on that su- ship for like eight years. I, I was really surprised, but I think they brought her here for one reason, by the way, and one line. Literally, uh, later on when she says, like, I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, like, she says it later on. I'm like, oh, they brought her on just for that one line. Because literally, this, she brings nothing to this whole episode. I agree with you. Nothing. But I'm, I'm glad she's here because she's her. You know, and I like, I like seeing her and stuff. I just, like, she, this whole episode, she's useless. Anybody anybody could be in her spot. They, they, they could be anybody else to be there. Yeah, they pretty much wasted those characters. Yeah, I just, I just think, I just think that if you're gonna bring her in here, I would have had had a more pivotal part, you know. Instead of you got the, you got her coming here with the guys, and, and the guys going to adventure once again, and my girl, her sending it back there with a with a, a, a telephone on, not doing nothing. So right. I, I was hoping eventually they'll get her to participate in some of the coolest things they do. So yeah, I think she was just there to just record everything. Which yeah, they could have gotten literally anyone. I think normally that would have been a Janice thing, but where the fuck is Janice? Yeah. We still haven't seen her for a while. Yep. So, so, yeah, they beam down to the planet, and they're looking around, and they find some ruins, and Spock uh, scans them, and he says that they're around 10,000 centuries old, and then they check out this big stone circle, and, and Spock says that he thinks it's the source of the time displacement, but he can't explain why, and it's been a big thing for him the last three or four episodes is that he always has this thought, like, hey, I think that this is this, but I don't know why. Yeah, it's been, uh, I think it's been one thing for a while. When, when I saw it, I'm like, is that the Stargate? <laughs> oh, God. That, you know, I've never actually seen I mean, Stargate. Look, I know of it, but I've never seen it. Wow. You see, and on that note, uh, your cool nerd uh, package is revoked. <laughs> you are now fired from the cool section because Stargate is awesome. I well, mean, if you ever watched Star- Aqua, Aqua Hunger Titan uh, Force, uh, there was the Fargate. See, I know uh, of that. The thing about Stargate is so cool, by the way, is uh, like they do a really good job of taking like uh, – Egyptian mythology and space and correlating them together in such a clever way. And a lot of stuff doesn't do that. So that's what really cool. It's really cool. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, I know we've talked about it at work and it's one of those things I'll add to my never ending list of shit to watch that I'll never get the chance to. So maybe eventually I'll I'll check (laughs) it out. Uh, But for the time being. We're we're, we're watching Stargate. Yeah, we're watching Stargate, the original series. (laughs) SG1. Mm-hmm. Yeah, SG-1, yeah. Uh, so anyway, Uhura and uh, a security member, they report to the Enterprise that they haven't found McCoy, but as they're kind of walking around saying they haven't found him, they pass this big, big rock, and when he wa- they walk by, he pops up from behind the rock and, and scampers away. Security's trash. Every time. They, they really are. Behind. They don't understand that things can be on the other sides of things, so they think that that rock is just like the one side, and that it's not possible for anything to be on the other side of it, so they didn't bother to look. Even Scotty didn't notice him. That hurt me a little bit. Well, Scotty, Scotty didn't notice him. Scotty's fucked yes. up from Scotty the night before. Don't. He's oh, he's he, lucky he to be walking. <laughs> Scotty got a hangover. He, he got excuse. Yeah. Okay, I'll let that go. Yeah. So so Spock says that the big circle rock has incredible power, but it isn't a machine as they understand it. And Kirk asks, "Well, what is this thing?" And so the rock just starts to speak and it answers him. And 
And it's like, hey, I've been waiting. And it's not Dwayne Johnson, by the way, either. It's not The Rock. No, it's not The Rock. It is A Rock. It's not The Rock with uh, Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage either, which is the better Rock. Oh, it's. The- <laughs> so, yeah, the, the Rock just speaks to him and it says that it's waited for a question since before their son burned hot in space and before their race was born. So, it's been waiting around for a little bit. And Kirk asks The Rock what it is. And The Rock says that it's the Guardian of Forever. And uh, so Kirk asks, "Is like, hey, are you a machine or a being? And the Guardian replies that it is both and neither, and that it is its own beginning and ending. And they're just kind of like rolling their eyes like, fuck, why are we even talking to this thing? <laughs> why, why do we bother? Nothing ever gives us a fucking straight <laughs> answer in the show. Yeah. That would be so infuriating. Like, are you hungry? Well, I'm neither hungry nor not hungry. Like, all right, just fucking pick one. Well, no, actually, technically, it makes sense, though, because if I can't, if I can't experience hunger itself, in general, because I don't even know what hunger feels like. I'm not hungry, nor that. Where can I be hungry? Yeah, so you're then, fired. You can't. You can't be so, fired. So that's you're why fired. he's we're like, not, we're not doing this. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, just, just, yeah, yeah. Since you can't, if you can't be something, then you can't be in the. I mean, it's it's kind of an interesting paradox that they're talking about. Yeah, in a way. yeah, I but like still, it. fuck that rock. And then this is exactly this. This <laughs> next note is exactly why, because Spock is like, look, there's no reason for these fucking riddle, riddles that you have. The Guardian just says that it's simply answering as their understanding makes possible. And Spock gives it this look like, fuck, like, am I dumb? Like, is this, like, is this rock like that much <laughs> smarter than me? It was burn from the rock. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Kirk enjoyed it also. You could tell that he was just kind of smirking over like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. He's like, Spock, you fucking idiot. <laughs> You're like the rest of us. So, uh, yeah, so Scotty and a, another security member, they continue their search for McCoy, who manages to hide from them. Uh, nearby and they completely miss him and then Spock tells Kirk that he thinks that the the Guardian may actually be a time portal and the the, the Guardian says that that's as correct as possible for, for Spock and that Spock's science knowledge is obviously primitive and Spock's like this motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> he's like you want to see primitive bitch like, and he beams up. down a jackhammer and just fucking gets to work <laughs> it's not often you see Spock being put in his place. No, and it's fantastic when he does get put in his place. So like, this whole thing was hilarious because he's just, he's so like, if he could be offended, he would be offended. <laughs> but deep, yeah. deep down, you know, you're, he's like, that motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to fucking go carve that thing up. I'm going to punch you. Yeah. So, um, so then the Guardian just starts making some smoke. Like it just lights one up and then it shows them uh, images of Earth's past. And McCoy pops out. Just screaming like a banshee that they're all a bunch of killers and assassins and they grab him and then Spock just does the Vulcan nerve pinch thing and shuts him down immediately. About time, well, let's say it's about time he did that in the first place. Yeah. They're always fighting. There must stuff going on. He never give him a That should grip. always be like the number one thing. Like he should lead with that every time. Exactly. So Kirk wonders if they should or if they could use the time portal to take Bones back one day in time and stop the accident from happening. And uh Spock's like, well, I don't know, dude. The images that we're seeing are, are going kind of fast. And so Kirk asks the Guardian if it can slow them down. But the Guardian's just like, no. <laughs> like, no, I nope. can't. <laughs> I can't. Just simply cannot. That's not how I work, you idiot. Like, have you ever seen a fucking Guardian of Time or whatever it is? <laughs> <laughs> Guardian of Forever, he yeah, said. forever. My bad. So, so Spock just starts to uh, put himself down. He's like, man, I'm stupid. I, I forgot to record. Like, my recorder can record at the correct speed to capture all these things and i ain't been recording shit this whole time now we know why the rock's talking down to him also at this point yeah the rock's over there like see i told you you were fucking dumb 
He's like, I knew it was going to happen. I've seen it in the future, and I didn't tell you about it, you idiot. So, yeah, McCoy wakes up, and uh, he just runs through the the middle of the circle rock, and he disappears into time. And then uh, as soon as that happens, Uhura says that she's lost contact with the ship, and then they all check their communicators, and they don't work because apparently they don't fucking believe her. Like, it's their entire job, and they're like, well, let's double check. I hate that shit. Like, I'm, I'm the fucking expert here. Don't you double check my work. <laughs> So the uh, the Guardian tells them that their vessel and that they're beginning and all that they knew is gone. And Kirk believes that McCoy has gone back in time and changed history and that now they're stuck there. And uh, I, I'm, I shouldn't ask this, but we've already shown that this show operates on a single timeline that they can go back in the past and affect the future. And if it fucked up that much, would they even exist at this point? Mm. Um, okay, they are in, located on a planet in the realm that's outside of the universe. Therefore, it's not affected by the time itself. I will absolutely accept that answer. That's actually a really good answer. That that the fucking yeah. guardian thing distorts time and shields them from those events. I'm I'm going to assume that. That's actually a really thank that. you, Paul. Thank you. You have settled my one big gripe from this, and I will accept that as head canon, and we can fucking move forward from that (laughs) boy that was gonna be a discussion too thank you jesus oh yeah so we go to commercial break we come back with a captain's log that has no star date which i thought was really interesting he's like captain's log i don't fucking know what day it is never mind yep (laughs) (laughs) and he and scotty's in the background like yeah welcome to the club bro and uh (laughs) he says that i uh, I don't realize the star date that day by the way yeah he says they have no star date and he says that time does not exist for them and then he just kind of recaps the events from earlier and says that they've asked the Guardian to show them Earth's history again from the beginning so that he and Spock can try to go after McCoy. And Spock says that he was actually recording images with the tricorder when McCoy left and he thinks that he knows when they need to jump in. So they're going to try to get there before McCoy did and stop him from changing history, which is a pretty solid plan. So the guardian confirms that he's like hey if you guys do this right then it'll be like you had never gone in at all so that's a like i said a pretty solid plan and kirk tells them that they have to try it and if he and spock fail uh even if they fail at least they'll be given uh they'll be alive in a past world somewhere so if they go there and fuck that up it's not like they're gonna die they'll just have to live in a different time period well i wonder um i was just watching this uh the orville the show and uh, they have like rules of engagement if they ever get time sent back in time, like they got to live outside the people and do nothing to affect the, to affect the timeline. I wonder if there's rules, a Stargate, a Federation rules for, uh, if you go back in time, if you're allowed to, if you, if you're allowed to affect things or you're supposed to be quiet and not meet anybody or what, or what to do. So you don't affect anything else. Well, What's weird is like throughout this first season, they found like three different ways to time travel and they all seem to be the first. So it seems to be time travel is a new thing for humanity at this point. So I don't think they have any rules for that. Yeah. See, I'm, I wonder, I'm just, they might not have, I, I assume that they may, I thought maybe they would have an idea just in case it happens or, or, or never even thought it existed. I'm not sure. Right. I just, with everything going on, like, cause, uh, I was wondering when McCoy got stuck there, like if he ever didn't lose his mind and started being normal again, I wonder would he have to be go through and not be able to affect anything and just stay there and not uh, start a life. Right. Yeah, and just just stay out of the way of everything. Yep. Which actually, I, I realized I kind of misread my last note. Uh, Kirk just tells everybody that if he and Spock fail, then everybody else has to try as well. Like they have to go in and then if they all fail, then at least they get to live in the past time somewhere else. 
So he's like basically like, yeah, if we fuck this up, <laughs> your turn, you're next. Don't jump in at a shitty time. Yeah. yeah it, it, but he also said no matter what, you have to try. Yeah. You know, which was like a, was like a really big sentimental. Like, it's like, it's like, all right, no matter what, you know. Right. You guys have to try. You don't, you don't be stuck here. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah what else are they going to do? They have no way of getting home, and uh, there's probably no food on the planet. Yeah, and... I mean, if I was them, I would have tried to come, to, you know, to maybe the, I don't know, 2000s, the 2010s, you well, know? Well, the big, the big issue that if they're stuck on that planet with that rock, Scotty is going to sober up eventually, and nobody wants that. <laughs> nobody, wants, <laughs> nobody wants to sober Scotty. <laughs> That's being a jerk. Such honor, everybody. Yeah, he's way less fun. Yeah, <laughs> he he starts to remember all the things he did in the war. It's not it's not good. <laughs> no, Saki, Saki. That's a fantastic movie, by the way. It really is. It really is. Saki. So oh snap. So Spock cues them in for their jump, and they go in as Ahura records it, and then they arrive uh, at probably one of the worst points that they could have because they're in the Great Depression of the 1930s. No, they actually show up in 1930, yeah. exactly. So they're looking around, and they notice that they stand out because of their clothing, and nobody else is dressed like them, and Spock worries about being able to blend in at all because of his ears and his insane fucking eyebrows. I don't understand why they don't, like, uh, ever have a plan for his ears. Right? Like, a camouflage mask. Well, they weren't uh, planning on time traveling. Like, like in yeah, fairness. But, no, no, but I mean, anywhere they go, though. Anywhere they go, 90% of the time, Spock has been the weirdo because he has the weird ears. Like, he's been the weird, like, one of the but eyebrows. But they're in the future, they so they kind of know that there's, but, you know, everyone that they go visit, you know, they know that there's aliens out there. So there's going to be funny looking beings. Yeah, I don't know. I just, there's got to be a way to, to better way to, to have him uh, camouflage himself. Self right. Now. Yeah. All the good technology they have, I just, I think it's kind of weird. Yeah. So, um, so they find some clothes to steal on a balcony, and Spock almost gets hit by a car, which was pretty fun. And he's, he's looking like this car about runs him down on the road, and he stops and looks at it, and he's like, "Fascinating! Like this thing is really interesting. <laughs> like it's, it's just a car, a gas-powered dude. vehicle. Yeah, <laughs> it almost killed me. We should try that again. Actually, he, he he'd probably do more damage to the car. Oh, for sure. He just smashed yeah. the hood, and it flips over him. One of those scenes." So, uh, yeah, so Kirk climbs his balcony to steal some clothes, and as he comes down, a cop sees him, and he wants an explanation for what's going on. And uh, Kirk says that Spock is obviously Chinese, and he tries to explain the ears, but he he can't come up with anything. (laughs) Spock is like, yeah, remember, it's the unfortunate accident I had as a child. And and Kirk says that Spock caught his head in a mechanical rice picker, but uh, an American missionary plastic surgeon was nearby to help, and thankfully he was able to save him. And I was like, this is funny as fuck, but that would not fly today. There's no fucking way. Yeah, but it's... No. It's it's funny, but it's kind of like... Uh, Kurt would never panic like this, though. Yeah, it's not really in his, in his nature to be that full, you know that that unsure. He would he would have thought of a plan in advance if something like this happened because Kurt's kind of you know he's kind of a planner. So I just thought he would have had a better story in, in hand with the uh, you know to go on with something. The mechanical rice picker is a perfectly plausible story. <laughs> you know how many heads yeah. get caught in that per year in the 1930s. You know <laughs> yeah. it must be big in the 1930s. You know to get his head. Yeah, <laughs> a rice picker. I I just like how Spock just kind of stands there and just like, yep, that's what happened. Yeah, damn rice picker every time. Uh, I feel like I'm not allowed to laugh at those jokes, but 
it's fuck. It's funny. It's funny as fuck. No, it it wasn't done in it's like any maltension. No, it was a joke. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the cop has heard enough of this, and he forces him against the wall so he can search him. And they manage to distract the officer for a moment, and then Spock just does the Vulcan nerve pinch to him, and they run away and hide in an empty cellar. They're just like, oh, yeah, like, what's on your uniform here? And he's like, what is on my uniform? It just fucking pinches him. Yeah, and then right after that. You know what I'm talking about? People in the background the guys are that are watching. watching. Yeah. Yeah. They're sitting there watching, like, uh, not screaming for help, no, whatever. They're sitting there watching. Like, uh, it's a bystander effect, you know? Yeah, b- b- yeah, but that's 1930s, though. No, no, no. Now, that's been an issue since, since the dawn of time is the, the bystander effect. No, nah, they would have helped. 1930s, I think they would have helped you out a little bit. No, that, that, it's a psychological mm. thing that's been – it's implanted in our brains. We're like if there's a group of people and they see something happen, none of them do anything because they all think that someone else is going to do something. But none of them is going to mm. do anything. It's it's like hardwired into our brains. I don't know. I know the fact that they should have did something. I don't know. They're watching. Not a fan but, of that but, one. But also, it's the Great Depression. They're all depressed. They're lucky to even be out of bed. Oh, yeah. yeah that's that's what that is. It's just when everybody we'll, got we'll real sad. That. I could take that. Yeah, so they go down to the cellar, and they change clothes, and Spock explains that they have about a week before McCoy arrives, but they don't know where he's going to come in. My question about that thing is, why wouldn't he come in at the same spot that they did? Like, if they, if they all jump in at the same time, they're not going to end up randomly in different places, right? Because Kirk and Spock got in oh, there at no, the same time, okay, so, so they're worried about where McCoy's actually. going to show up. Okay, so... When he was talking about jumping through, he said he could he could only approximate how close he could get, and he and, and he was talking about oh I can get I, we could either be a month ahead or a month after him, but we're trying to get there before him. So he kept so he kept saying he could calculate the exact time. So once he I guess once he looked at looked at the date they arrived, he could calculate that at least he'll be here in a week. Well, I guess my issue is, and I don't want to go too deep into this because it's not like a serious thing. Like, I, I, it doesn't ruin the episode for me. Like, it's not a big deal. But how yeah. do they decide where they went? Because they only knew when to jump in. They didn't know a where. Like, they had a time period on a screen. They didn't have an area or a location. Oh, okay, okay. You got the when. You mean the where, not the when. Oh. Yeah, like, how is the where decided? Maybe, maybe The Rock tried to help out as much as possible to get them approximately in the same general time and uh place oh no way if, if that thing had the ability it would definitely fuck with spock and drop him like in the ocean somewhere it's like his swim you fucking idiot <laughs> maybe whatever imagery is on this up there is the same is the image the place you go to well then why the fuck would it be showing an image of this stupid little town if it's not it's not a big uh, deal maybe we just random i don't know yeah it, like I said, it's like that's definitely overthinking the episode, and yeah, it's, it's not. Issue, yeah. It's not a valid criticism. I'm just, you know, doing a podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> I get uh, what you're yeah. So they uh, they think that time is fluid, like a river with currents, and that the same currents that took McCoy to a certain time and place might take them there too, which doesn't really explain anything. But they tried. And Spock thinks that with his tricorder and a computer, he could find McCoy's exact moment and place of arrival. And Kirk is like, well, you're going to have to build a computer because obviously it's like 1930 and they don't really have those. And he uh, asks if Spock could build one. And Spock does not believe that he can. And Kirk is just like, well, that would pose an extremely complex problem in logic. And Spock just like raises his eyebrow like, did you say logic? You now have my attention. Yeah, and Kirk jokingly says that he sometimes expects too much from Spock. And the Spock's like, All right, you, you fucking got me. I'm gonna build you a damn computer. Yeah, yeah, he made like a challenge. He made like he's a like, challenge. I'll be your Alan Turning. Yeah, he's like, Well, you know, 
I I always thought you were better than this. And Spock, you know, he's got to rise to that occasion. But they, somebody calls down for them. A woman calls down from upstairs asking who's down there, which is like the classic horror thing. Like, why the fuck would you do that? Like, if I hear a noise who's in the basement, there? I never open the basement door and go, hello? Is anybody there? <laughs> I just feel like nobody fucking there? does I'm that. Here, I'm, I'm all alone in my house by myself. Yeah. Don't worry about it. And then from the basement, somebody's I don't have like, any no, nobody's here. And you just close the door. Like, oh, I guess nobody's down there. I have a safe there. with a million dollars in it. The yeah. password's one, two, three, four. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't rob me. Yeah. So Kirk just goes to greet her. And uh, Spock puts on a hat to cover up his ears. So that's how they fix that problem. And. Kirk apologizes. He's like, yeah, sorry, it's really cold outside, so we came in here to warm up, and she's like, it ain't that fucking cold. And uh, Kirk tells her that they were being chased by a policeman for stealing some clothes, so he just, like, comes clean about it. She offers to uh, let them help with chores, and uh, Spock's like, well, yeah, like we can do that. We can help out, get paid, and I can buy my computer parts. So she offers them uh, 15 cents an hour for 10 hours a day, and then Kirk Woo! is like, shit, yeah. And uh, it's more than the uh, it's more than Starfleet <laughs> pays me. Good money. Yeah, it's more than he gets paid to be captain. And uh, <laughs> he introduces himself to her, and he uses their real names. He's like, "I'm Kirk, and I'm Spock." And then she's like, "What kind of name is Spock?" And he's like, "Oh, it's Chinese." You know, they could have done that. They didn't do that, and they didn't do it. Yeah. She probably wouldn't have questioned it either. Right. She knows all about those rice cookers. Yeah. <laughs> the the mechanical rice pickers. And not because she's a woman either. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, Dan. <laughs> Well, I don't want no one to take it the wrong way. Yeah. Which now they are. Yep. Now we're canceled. Thanks. No season two. <laughs> All like you. No season two. Yep. I'm not involved. I, it wasn't me. <laughs> Paul's been quiet the whole time. <laughs> I, I don't know what they're talking about. I have no idea. Yeah. So, uh, so Kirk asks where they are, and the woman named Edith uh, tells them that they're at the 21st Street Mission and that she runs it. And at this point, I'm like, yeah, Kirk's Kirk's gonna fuck her. That's that's his goal now. He doesn't want to go back yep. to where he's like, fuck, fuck this I, shit. I looked, I looked, and I was like, oh, Kirk's trouble. Yep. That's how I feel. Every time I see any kind of pretty woman on any planet, Kirk's trouble. Yep. Kirk's gonna do something stupid. It, you know, I I thought though the same thing. Like, oh, he's gonna fuck her. I'm like, wouldn't that really mess up the timeline? Also, that's when he finds out he's his own great 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 grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Bad Kurt. <laughs> uh, so uh, we cut to a little bit later and they're getting some food at the soup kitchen and uh, some guy, Edith is getting ready to like make a speech and a guy jokes that they have to listen to her talk as payment for their food. And uh, he he just keeps talking badly about her. And then he actually gets ready to make a, a sex joke about helping him if she really wanted to help a man in, in need. And Kirk just tells him to shut up. He's like, shut up. And the guy starts talking to him. He's like, no, seriously, shut up. <laughs> And the guy does shut up. Yeah, she will, He's uh, like, that's my future wife. Yeah. That's very sexist, sir. That was, that was very sexist. Yeah, that's why you're that. on the street, you fucking bum. <laughs> so uh, Edith, yeah, she goes up on the stage and she lectures them about not messing things up while they're, you know, hanging out in the soup kitchen. And she goes on like this rant about the future and the possibility of space travel and the goodwill or the good that it'll bring. And uh, Kirk is just basically he talks to Spock. He's like, yeah, I'm a fucker. Basically, is what he says. She, she's the one. Yep, she's it. Spock's like, Spock was like, "What about Janice?" He's like, "Janice." Who? Yeah, he's like, "Who now? Who now?" I haven't seen her in months now. Yeah, seriously, we haven't though. So a little later on, uh, Edith uh, commends Kirk on his work cleaning the basement because apparently they did a really good job. 
and she tells him that there's a vacant room at the place where she lives and that uh, she can take him there if they want. So we go to a little little bit later and they're in their room, their new room, and Spock has started building his computer and Kirk enters the room with some groceries and uh, Spock says that he needs uh, a five to six pound block of platinum and Kirk just basically says, like, look, I can't get you fucking anything, dude. Like, you need all this crazy <laughs> shit and I can't do anything for you. No, no, no. The, the funny part is he says, no, I need a small amount. Before he said that, he said, I need a small amount. Yeah, just five or six. Yeah, just five or six hey, pounds. That's a small amount? Like, they don't see a lot of stuff back over in uh in the future when it comes to going to platinum. Yeah, they got, like, platinum silverware, platinum toilet. Yeah, platinum. Yeah, it's all around. Yep. They can go platinum. Yeah, platinum's like the new silver for them. Yeah. Apparently. I also get the impression that a few days have passed in their last, like, cut to this area. So I feel like it's been... Because they seem pretty comfortable there. Like, they've really settled down. So I feel like it's been two or three days. Yeah. Well, they would have had to make some money to be able to buy that equipment that Spock was building anyway, so it would have had to at least been right. Well, I mean, three or four days, like you said. Working 10 hours a day for 15 cents an hour, they probably could have bought that after a single shift. <laughs> for real. <laughs> yeah, they just went down to the old Walmart in 1930. Yeah. Yep, bought all that stuff. So, they're yeah, they're just hanging out talking, and they get interrupted by a knock at the door, and Edith enters to tell them that uh, she can get them five hours of work at 22 cents an hour. And she uh, she sees the computer and, and asks what it is, and Spock tells her exactly what it is, but she's just like, all right, I don't fucking understand that, and then they leave. Like She just, no second thought. She's just like, oh, really advanced computer shit? All right, that's cool. Come work for 22 cents an hour. Yeah, Spock could have literally said anything, and she's like, oh, cool. She seems to just be, like, really, really accepting. He's like, yeah, I'm just building a robot to take over the world. And she's like, all right, well, you want some work? Does the robot want work? <laughs> I, I think the funny part had me laughing was uh, Spock was kind of like, "Hey, you got me building a uh, computer here with uh, what equates to what do you say uh, uh, sticks and stones or something?" Yeah, uh, like oh, something about like fur. Yeah, I forget exactly what it, the term that he used because he said it again later. Like, yeah. but yeah, yeah, some yeah, some like he got me like sticks and stones. Somebody like that got me trying to build a computer with sticks and stones. Like, oh okay, I guess it is electronics don't really exist then. So yeah. Nothing really. You got the t- maybe the TVs then, black and white TVs, and that's kind of it. Yeah, what a terrible time. <laughs> what an absolutely terrible time. Yeah. I would not survive. If I had to go back in yeah. time, I wouldn't make no, it. No no Axe body spray. <laughs> you know, uh, as an African-American male, i like to clarify, I would not want to go back to the 1930s. No, no thank you. That, you don't want to go there? Nah, yeah. depression. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> not for me. Not for me. <laughs> Let me let me try let me try go to, go to the future. Yeah, hopefully the food is better than 1930. The food? Oh, what do you mean by the food? Oh, I'm sure 1930s food oh, is terrible. 1930 food probably was terrible. You think? Oh, absolutely, had to be. Oh, I bet everything was stale. Oh no, man! I, 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 I saw this they, guy like, that uh, makes uh, he makes old school food like old cookbooks or whatever on TikTok. I watch his videos and actually kind of cool. It looks like the food, some of my food might be good. Well, when did uh, refrigerators didn't become common until? Uh, I think they Ooh, first probably the 40s or 50s. They first showed up from what I'm reading is they first hit the domestic scene in 1927, and by 1944, hmm. 85% of Americans had one. So yeah, in the 30s, especially during depression, ain't nobody got no fucking fridge. Oh, okay. Well, then that's kind of. I mean, I guess things. that just means that all of your stuff is fresh, but gotta be at, fresh but at the same time during the depression, you're just like eating dirt. So it's it's. Not gonna be Yo. great food. I think people mostly were just like no, living off bread uh, and shit back then, right? 
Yeah, Red did they uh, announce what city they were in? Like, did they don't give out an actual said. location? Yeah, I don't think they ever said. Because I believe I don't remember, uh, during that time, like in New York City, it might have been a little bit earlier, but they would just throw their waste out the window on top, like onto the streets. Which is always nice. That can never go wrong. So, you, yeah, it, it would smell bad. So, yeah, like Paul was saying, there's no Axe body spray to cover up, you know, all the feces and... Ugh. Yeah, moldy meat. Everybody taking bath uh, once every a month. Yeah, once every month, just bath time. Yeah. So, so while these guys are working, uh, Spock notices uh, a few guys using some tools to fix a broken clock, and then later he breaks into the the toolbox to get them. He has to crack a combination lock, and he opens this box to to get some tools. And then we get this really weird cut to like they didn't even get caught or anything, but it cuts to later where Edith is asking why they did that. So apparently they did get caught. We just didn't see it. And Spock just says that he needed them for his work and that he's going to return them in the morning. And uh, she starts to argue with him. And Kirk is, you know, he's being the man of the relationship. And he says, well, if Spock says he needed them, then he needed them. <laughs> She's just like, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's really... Whatever you say, pretty boy. He's really getting that 30s uh, relationship dynamic down. <laughs> Tell her, put her in her place early. Yeah. Oh, my God, No. <laughs> No. So he's like, "Well, I tell you, you so see, it's Kirk, five Mr. Mr. Spock needed the toys. He needed the toys. See? Again, I'm, I did not say that. People, just so you know, clarify once again, I did not say that. <laughs> Getting the dynamic right. <laughs> Is Kirk dreamy in any era? I think so. Yeah. Yep. Shat like '60s Shatner is just a good-looking guy, no matter what the time period. I think. I agree. He, he would have been a good spy. Yeah. At least when it comes to getting you know information out of women. Yeah, because you have to be good looking to be a spy. Yep. That and charming. And he's yeah, he's charming for sure. He's got game. I mean he has to, right? He's just not just like a rank thing. Yeah, he Spock has no game. He wouldn't be able to charm her like that. No. He'd just be giving her a bunch of facts. Like, hey, I got some facts for you, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I mean there might be somebody out there that appreciates that, right? She's she's like Oh, yeah, explain the periodic table of elements to me again. <laughs> and he just fucking goes. <laughs> what, is, what is this show becoming? What are we doing, guys? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What happened? Yep. Oh, man. So, um, yeah, so Kirk sticks up for Spock stealing the tools. And, uh, and, and Edith relents on the whole argument and says that uh, she just wants Kirk to go walk her home so he can answer some questions about uh, himself and about Spock. And, and uh, yeah, they decide to do that. And so they're, they're going for a little walk, and she's talking to him about how uh, Kirk just seems out of, out of place and that it really seems like Spock belongs at his side and uh, Kirk belongs in another place. And, uh, well, this is, okay, that's before they go on their walk. So she says that there, and Spock's just like, yeah, okay, you guys go ahead and go on your walk. I'm going to finish up with this furnace here. And, and uh, Edith says that even when Spock doesn't call Kirk captain, he does, because he's been calling him captain this whole fucking time. And this is the one time he's like, yeah, you guys go ahead, and I'm going to stay here. So she notices that he didn't call him captain and says that even when he doesn't, he does. Which was a good observation from her, from her, by the way. Yeah, I like that she's not just like, this pretty chick helping them out in this. Like she's obviously very intelligent and like, she's, you know, she's running this soup kitchen and like helping a lot of people. And like, she's just, a, she gets a lot of really good development in a very short amount of time. Uh, just a very solid character. Honestly, one of the better uh, women characters that they brought in, brought in onto the show that has interacted with Kirk. 
I, I agree. I think just one of the better characters in general, like in, in terms of the development that she's gotten and the personality that they gave her is like, yeah, like she's very helpful and she's not an idiot. Like she definitely notices things and she has, you know, big plans and is very she's a very capable character. So, yeah, so they go on their walk and uh, Kirk and Edith are holding hands and uh, they pass a radio shop playing a love song. So they get, you know, the whole atmosphere thing going on. And uh, she asks Kirk why Spock calls him captain. And uh, he talks about how they served together. And uh, she she thinks that he served to get that they served in, you know, the war together. She's like, oh, you know, she wants to help him out, you know, thinks that maybe he's suffering from something he did during the war. And and then Kirk just kind of talks about future events and and they get close to each other like they're about to make out. But we cut to a little bit later and Spock is uh, he's on his computer and he's just working on stuff. And he gets it to work for a second, and then he sees an image of a newspaper article showing that Edith actually gets killed. So uh, Kirk walks in, and uh, he asks how everything's going, and and Spock's like, well, you know, I think I might have found the focal point in time, but then he warns Kirk that he may find it a little bit distressing. Uh, right here, I really enjoyed the uh, the way the, the prop is, the whole setup for the computer he has. Yeah. Um, but I don't understand where he got this information from. Isn't it from his, like, TriCaster thing that he brought with him? Yeah, so basically the machine that he's building is to read his tricorder. They normally need their ship for that. Obviously, they don't have their ship. Okay. So this thing is looking at the information from the tricorder, and he's trying to go through the recordings that he made and figure out where time kind of had this divergence so they know that's when McCoy showed up. Okay, okay. see, I didn't really, I didn't get that behind it. I couldn't understand what was going on exactly. Now she's explain it, it makes more sense. Yeah, they kind of mentioned it in passing. Like, it was just kind of this this big, not big, it should have been a big thing, and they made it this kind of just small thing. Like, oh, yeah, we just, I can't read my tricorder. I need to build a computer to be able to do that. That's the whole reason he's doing it. But, um, yeah, so he, he shows Kirk an article from February 23rd, 1936, which is just six years from where, the, where they are, or I guess when they are now. And it says that the president of the United States has conferred with Edith on her plea for action to help the people in the area. So she did so well that she actually got to meet the the president to try to help people out. And then the computer malfunctions and it all burns up. And uh, Kirk is like, oh, that's cool. Like, she does really, really well for herself in the future. And Spock explains that just a few minutes ago, he read an article from 1930 that says that Edith is killed in a traffic accident. So they're discussing this and they discover that or they, they theorize that. Edith has two possible futures and that depending on whether she lives or dies, all of history is going to be changed. And so they think that McCoy is the random element that basically makes one of those two things happen. And they don't know if McCoy is going to be the catalyst for her death or he's going to prevent her from being killed. And at this point, that's one of those. Uh, go ahead. I was at this point, I am all into this. I was like, shit, like this took a really serious turn. And it's at this, like it's, I think it's just even now it's really just like original. It's an original story. It's an original dilemma. And I think like at this point I was like, fuck, dude, this is really good. Like I, I really like what's going on here. Yes. It was, it's ahead of his time for his thought process about the thing with the whole timelines and things like that. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I also thought it was cool that they put it into where it was a uh, hard on Kurt to make it a, a bigger deal. Right. Yeah. He gets, uh, yeah, his, his, potential love interest is uh i mean basically like right here like spock is concerned that in order to set things straight he like he literally says he thinks that edith has to die must die yeah yep. and that's like that's really fucked up at, at this point does he tell spock that he's in love with her or is that a little bit later on still uh, it's still a little bit later on yeah but uh, spock's not an idiot i think he put it together 
Right. Yeah, so they, they actually end on that line. We go to commercial break and we come back and uh, we see just a guy stealing milk off of a porch. And uh, McCoy just like appears literally out of nowhere. And uh, he's yelling about murderers and assassins and his face is all covered in like these crazy red splotches. And uh, he asks the milk thief what planet he's on. He's like, what planet am I on? And, and the thief is like, all right, I'm not uh, I'm not fucking doing this. And he runs away. And so McCoy starts yelling. He's like, I'm not going to kill you, which is a really good way to let somebody know you're not actually going to kill you. <laughs> That's what they say right before they kill you. Yeah. <laughs> That's what somebody said right before they kill you. Like, hey, I'm not going to kill yeah. you. No, no, they're not allowed <laughs> no. to after that. I, th- I think it's against the law. If you say you're not going to kill somebody, <laughs> you, you can't so. kill them after that, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you, give, you give your word. I won't yeah. kill you. If you yeah. kill them, that's like, that's really messed up. man. Yeah. I won't kill you. Like, trust me, I won't kill you. But I have my, that's what the bad guy was. I'm going to kill you. I promise. Yeah. Uh, but I have my other guy kill you. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the, the, the bad guy twist. Yep. Yeah. So uh, we go to uh, another area where Kirk and Edith are having a talk about how she thinks that man is eventually going to go to the moon. And, and Kirk is just like, oh, yeah, you really think that? And then we just go back to McCoy. So it was a really unnecessary cut in a stupid place. And they could have put it anywhere else. And it didn't add to the story at all. Yeah. They could they could have put that, uh, that scene before the commercial break and just kept on afterwards with McCoy coming from the future yeah i, I would have just cut it entirely uh, i didn't see the need for it it didn't go anywhere besides just like her getting closer i, to I, I think the scene of her saying that I, I i just think the scene was her saying that you know uh, she thinks we're going to go to the moon one day it was just kind of represent the more of the attraction that kirk has to her right um for her ideas yeah but uh Yes, we go outside and McCoy is questioning. He caught up to the milk thief and he's questioning him about uh, he's like, why do people want to kill me? And the guy is like, he's like, look, sometimes people drink a little too much. (laughs) He thinks that McCoy is just (laughs) drunk and uh, McCoy is just ranting about how he thinks that he's not on Earth, but he's on a recreation of Earth. And uh, he starts talking about uh, some, I don't know, some really weird shit. Like, this is where I wish I had the subtitles on. or had you know English subtitles because he starts like ranting about going to a hospital and like needles and all this other weird shit. And he just like kind of has this crying breakdown and he just lays on the ground and like passes out. <laughs> he just like goes to sleep or some shit. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. So the milk thief is like, well, this is a perfect time to go through his shit and like just steal from him. So he steals McCoy's phaser and he's just checking this phaser out and he accidentally overloads it and disintegrates himself and the phaser. <laughs> so really good ending to that. Okay. Guy. That's what that was? Yeah, that was it, phaser, yep. Okay. Because for me, it, it felt like it was almost like a transport type thing. Or something like something like being boy or something. I didn't realize that was an overcharge. Yep. Overloaded. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, and, and Dan, yeah, I don't I don't know what that would have maybe that guy didn't go on to do anything important and so it didn't affect the timeline either. <laughs> Or maybe at this point it doesn't matter because they're trying to fix enough. it anyway. But but yeah, it just fucking disintegrates himself. Which I wonder what the point in that was. Like, just to show that he no longer has a weapon? Because he had one before and it didn't matter. Like, would it have mattered later? Like, considering I where this maybe went? they were going to uh, do it where he... Somebody found his right quarter and they were going to make it into some... And then he left an item from the future or whatever. And then they... So that changed, changed past or whatever. I thought it would be something like that. Yeah, yeah, but no, just I think it. Won't, I think it was just a, a moral thing from the show. Like, hey, you shouldn't steal because if you do, you might phase yeah, yourself. You might overload a phaser and disappear <laughs> from existence. I, I don't know. Are we sure that's an overload? Is that what it was? Yeah, actually, I specifically looked it up because I'm like, what the fuck is any of this? And yes, he overloaded the phaser, and it took him and the phaser with it. Okay, I've never seen one of the, that happen before, so that's what really 
sound uh, look kind of weird. Oh, uh, I think somewhere in the past yeah, somebody I, I, threatened I thought the overload. same thing, Paul. I yeah, like yeah, they, they I, I they thought the same thing, Paul. I thought he or something, teleported I thought. himself. I thought they overloaded a, a weapon and threw it earlier, but it didn't have this kind of effect on it. Yeah, just production changes, I so guess. Like, I never. It kind of threw me off guard. But yeah, no, Dan. Yes, yeah, that's what I thought too. I thought that he was like beaming himself somewhere, <laughs> but then I was like, well. But then when I thought about it, like, how could he beam himself with no Enterprise? Like, exactly. The other part of the technology doesn't exist. Right. So I, I, I didn't think about him phasing himself. I was just like, that was kind of a weird scene. Yeah, that's exactly why I looked it up, because that's what I thought. And then I came to that same conclusion and then looked it up. And I was like, oh, he fucking killed himself. What an idiot. <laughs> what, what a dipshit. <laughs> so, yeah, he uh, he just disappears. And we go a little bit later and uh, Kirk is talking to Spock and he asks how long before they have an answer to their problem. And Spock's like, look, I need at least two more days. And uh, Kirk is worried that he thinks McCoy might already be there messing stuff up. And, and Spock just tells him that their last bit of information that they had came from 30 hours of work and that he's not going to be able to make something happen again quickly. So we go to the next day and McCoy is just walking around and he finds a 21st Street mission by some chance. And he goes inside and he sees Edith pouring coffee and talks to her about it. And then she she looks at him. She's like, wow, you really look like shit. Uh, you should probably go rest in this back room. And because, you know, he's, he's like, oh, yeah, the people are coming to get me. And she's like, yeah, if you go rest back there, nobody will be able to find you. So she takes him back to this cot to rest. And when after they walk off screen, uh, Spock is there. Who He's also working in the kitchen. And I find it really hard to believe that with the big fucking ears, he didn't hear McCoy talking to her. He was like, he's right there. Right? I, this well, is he's, got, he's got his beanie on, go. so he can't hear that good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the beanie muffled everything. So... Uh, from there, it's we go to Spock a little bit later using his computer to show Kirk that after McCoy changed history, uh, there was a pacifist movement that delayed the United States entry into World War II. And Germany used that time to complete their heavy water experiments, basically creating the atom bomb before the U.S., and Nazi Germany used that to win the war. Man, McCoy really fucked up. Yeah, big time. <laughs> big time. That's a pretty big fucking change. <laughs> so, uh... So he shows Kirk that Edith was the founder of the peace movement that led to the delay of United States entering the the war. And so she led to Germany winning the war. So Kirk is like, that's fine. I'm going to fuck her anyway. Which is, which is <laughs> like, like my thoughts on this episode alone, just that idea of her, her bringing peace is the issue. That is kind of like, right. yo, that's never, ha- that don't happen like that. It's normally like somebody does something that causes a war. Not that it leads to peace, and, and at least the peace is the issue that leads to a a a, a war right. that was destroyed. Yeah, you know it's it's saying? a really good twist on that. They, yeah, they use the other side. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm trying. To, I know what I'm trying to say. I think you got the point. What I was trying to say. Yeah. But yeah, so like, it's very. I find it very interesting in, in itself. Yeah, because they do it the other way around a lot. Yeah, they they you normally spend an episode trying to avoid a war, and now they have to avoid peace. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. Yep. Yeah. So Kirk asks how Edith dies and uh, on what day she dies. And Spock says that he can't trace down uh, moments that precise. And this is where Kirk is like, oh, man, but I love her. And Spock just says, yeah, that sucks, but she's got to die. Kirk is like, is it <laughs> is it really that big an ask to let Nazi Germany win the war so I can have sex with this woman? <laughs> <laughs> Like, like which which one of those is more important? Yeah, yeah. He's like, be a good wingman here, Spock. (laughs) All I'm asking is that you let the Nazis win. That's all. It's not not a big deal. We'll fix it later. (laughs) 
yeah we we do go to commercial again and at this point like I, again I, i'm fucking i'm loving this episode and uh we come back and edith is helping mccoy who is uh resting in bed and he seems to be coming around like coming out of his uh his cordrazine issue and uh he thinks that he's either unconscious or he's demented and he's not sure which one hey he's had he's had scotty stuff before he knows what it's like to wake up the next day not knowing yeah, if you're you, in reality or you not you don't know when you are let alone where you are that that would be some fucking stuff so uh so he he mentions that he thinks he's you know he just looks around he thinks he's around 1925 and edith confirms that it's 1930 and she offers to let mccoy meet her friend who is who refers to Kirk, but she doesn't say it by name. And if she would have, this episode would have taken a completely different turn right here. And uh, McCoy formally introduces himself. And Edith says that, you know, she's like, hey, I don't really believe you. Because McCoy's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a, a doctor on the ship and blah, blah, blah. And she says she doesn't mean to disbelieve him, but that he's not wearing a Navy uniform. And he's like, well, that's all right. I don't believe in you either. Like, he doesn't think she really exists. <laughs> <laughs> you're a figment of my imagination yeah, exactly i don't i don't care if you don't believe me you're not real so uh she just tells him to get some rest and then she leaves so a little bit later uh kirk is talking to edith like he comes out of the room and uh, she's standing on like a flight of stairs and they're having a conversation and spock comes out for a second but he sees what's going on he's like i don't want any part of this and goes back in the room and uh as they're talking edith almost falls down some stairs and uh kirk catches her and then they just have a, you know, a nice little, oh, thanks for saving me, little smooch. And uh, she leaves, and Spock comes out of the room, and he, he points out, he's like, you know, when she stumbled right there, she might have died right there if you hadn't caught her. And Kirk is like, fuck. But hold on. Did it, didn't Spock earlier in the episode say that it was going to be a traffic accident? Yeah, yeah, but I think at this point, they just know that she has to die some way. It don't matter how she dies. I don't think it... How how she dies doesn't matter anymore to uh to Spock. He just knows that she has to die. Yeah, I think their issue All is right. that they don't I, I, know I was... if McCoy's already fucked everything up, so they don't know if the accident was already supposed to have happened. So they're like, yeah, she just yeah, basically she needs to to die. All right, I can accept that. Uh, Kirk doesn't think that it's Edith's, Edith's time to die yet, since they don't. Well, actually, McCoy isn't there, so they don't know if he's there or not. But he's like, oh yeah, he's not here, and uh. Spock says that they don't know that McCoy is not there. And he reminds Kirk that if Edith lives and millions of others are going to die, that we're not supposed to die before. And uh, again, Kirk's like, that's cool. I'm just still going to fuck her. Yeah, that's a, it, that's the, a lot of interesting debates between them that keep continuing on and on. Yeah, and because they just they don't know if like they have to operate on the assumption that McCoy is already there. But they they just have no information one way or the other. They just know that like this, they're pretty sure this chick has to get killed, or not, yeah. or not. <laughs> yes, it's really weird that they settled on that one. They're leaning more toward that she should die than be alive. But you know, fifty fifty. Yeah, it's it's one or the other for sure. <laughs> so Edith, uh, she goes up and she goes back into McCoy's room, and he's feeling much better now, and his splotches are gone, and uh, he's just he's he's being regular old McCoy and. He decides that uh, Edith is actually not a Cordrazine hallucination, and uh, he asks her about where he is, and he offers to help out around the place, and she says that, oh, yeah, we can talk about this later because her her young man is going to go take her to a Clark Gable movie, and McCoy's like, well, I don't know who the fuck that is, and then she just leaves. She just kind of laughed about it, like, oh, you don't know who that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. she's like, oh, you silly. Everybody knows who that is. And Clark Gable was like the original... Uh, movie star or movie stars, actually. Yeah, I didn't. I know the name, but I don't know who it actually is. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, 
it's pretty much in all the classic old school. He's like, I don't, I can't describe who, who even it would be like Hard Gamer nowadays. We don't have nobody. Maybe George Clooney, maybe like the kind of like a pretty boy that all, all the women want this in the movies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, I beats me, man. <laughs> I don't, oh. I don't, I don't even know. I couldn't My, name a single. I can't even. Hard it's a, movie. a bunch of old school movies I've seen before. Okay, from from like the thirties, you think? Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's when this episode yeah. takes place. So yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah but a lot. I mean, not just thirties though. It's like hit a lot, a lot, a lot of movies though. Uh-huh. If they would have said like Charlie Chaplin, I'm like, hey, I know that guy. Would that have been period correct? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think he was the turn of the century, wasn't he? Oh, I have no Somewhere clue. Like he that. was in like the motion pictures where they couldn't even speak; they actually had to put up subtitles. Yeah, but honestly, I'm really bad about placing things in history, and I don't know when that was. Yeah. So anyway, uh, a little bit later on, Edith and Kirk are crossing the street, and uh, they almost get hit by a car. And I was like, fuck, that was the one, but it wasn't the one. Uh, <laughs> They get across the street, and uh, she tells Kirk that if they hurry, then they can catch a Clark Gable movie. And Kirk's like, I don't know who the fuck that is. And she's like, that's really funny. Dr. McCoy said the same thing earlier. And then Kirk is like, oh, my God, is that Leonard McCoy? And she's like, yeah, it is. And uh, she says that he's across, right back across the street in the mission. So uh, Kirk yells for Spock and runs across the street. They, they're they getting ready to like go in the mission to look for Bones, and he just comes right out the, the front door, and they're like, oh my god, Bones, you Yo, son of a bitch. Yo, what up, homie? It's been, oh, yeah. Yo. Like, they, they were not <laughs> worried happens. at all that he was still like all hopped up on drugs. They're just like, it's fucking yeah. Bones. I'm so worried about you, man. Finally. Yeah, so they all like hug and stuff, and uh, yeah. Edith is really curious about this, and she starts to cross the street, but she does not see the approaching truck. And uh, Kirk goes to warn her, but Spock yells to stop him. McCoy tries, he's like, fuck it, I'll go save her. And Kirk grabs him and uh, stops him from doing that. And she gets hit by the truck. And then McCoy is just, he's super upset. And he's wondering why Kirk stopped him. And my only issue with this is not an mm-hmm. issue with how things happened, but I replayed it probably 20 times when uh, Kirk goes to help and Spock yells for him not to do it. There's two voices, but neither one, it sounds like Spock is yelling it twice. The other one's not McCoy because his mouth doesn't move and it wouldn't make sense. He wouldn't know why they were trying to do that. But there's two people that yell for Kirk not to go. And I don't know who the fuck the second one is. Just like a really weird audio issue. In oh, there. I didn't notice that. Yeah, a really, really weird audio thing. issue. Like I said, everybody knows I watched the show while we're um while we're, while we're uh, talking, but I don't I can't hear the show while we're talking. So right. I can't even go back and hear that. But I, yeah, I have it's, to go back it's and really story. weird. Okay, so yeah, so she gets hit by the truck and she gets killed and McCoy is all upset, doesn't know why uh, Kirk stopped him. We cut to the uh, back to the planet with the Guardian Stone and uh, all three of them come out from the Guardian Stone and Scotty asks him what happened because he says they only left a few minutes ago and the Guardian Stone explains to them that everything has been fixed and uh, Uhura says that the Enterprise is asking if they, or yeah, asking them if they want to be beamed up. And Kirk just says, let's get the hell out of here. And then they all beam up as the episode ends. So it ends on like a really low note. Like Kirk is just fucking devastated. It's not often you see Kirk down like that. Well, we didn't, we didn't see Kirk tell him why. Oh, well, I'm, I, it's, impl- I mean, they, they would, he would eventually, right? Like they got, they, we, I imagine when know, that happened cause... and everything gets fixed, they probably get chucked out of the fucking stone and then they'll probably, he, I'm sure he'll explain it to him on the ship. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm assuming, but I just, it's kind of weird he, never, he didn't explain it to him. And I don't think, there's one thing about the whole, that whole scene right there. I, I didn't feel like um, Bones actually tried to fight to get through. Like, yeah, like as soon as Kurt stayed, stopped them, he kind of gave up kind of easy. That kind of, 
I don't know. I felt like if you were doing, it should have been a better acting in that situation where it looked like he was really trying, but it didn't. Like he kind of just got touched and kind of just gave up. Maybe McCoy figured Kirk had a reason behind it. Yeah, but I just don't think. That, yeah, but still, I don't think. The I fight mean, was, I think he would have fought harder. Well, how much time did he actually Kirk. have? I mean, fuck, the truck's coming when she goes across the street. Yeah, like, I, Kirk I know, goes to take a step out and Spock stops him and then. Like Bones yeah. is like fuck it, I'll go. Like that's a lot of time. That truck probably are done hit her ass by then. This nineteen thirties, the cars are slow, man. Yeah, she screams about it for three minutes, but just doesn't get out of the way. <laughs> oh, it's going to hit me! Help! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, that's that's the end of that episode. Uh, we don't get like a, a joke or anything to send this one off. They just they ended on a low note, which was really nice, really good touch for that one. Paul, do you want to go ahead and start us off? With uh, what you thought about this one? Um, I think this episode was extremely overrated. I didn't like this episode. Oof. I, I don't, and I do not know why. Like, a lot of it, I like, the parts in it, I liked. But overall, I just, I found it very boring. And maybe it's just, like, I know the the concept behind it was cool. The idea was cool. Everything about it was cool. But I guess I did I never felt the stakes were very high the whole time. So I kind of just, I felt it was kind of boring, honestly. Like, I did like the the Guardian of Forever idea. I didn't like the time travel idea. I just thought the time travel idea was kind of a uh, I don't know. It could have been it could have been done better. All of it, this uh, everything in it was just almost good, but everything could have been done a lot better. I just I don't understand why this was the one people really liked. I don't I didn't see nothing in there that really gave me pause for like oh this is so this is so amazing like I think I didn't really get that get that at all. So uh, to me. Even though I know it's, everybody's gonna love it, I just thought it was very, eh, like, I would if if we put, I'll probably skip it next time. I, if I had to go through this thing, I'll skip it. I just it it didn't do it. It didn't really do anything for me. So. Okay, so obviously you're allowed to have your uh, your own opinion of it, but what the fuck do you mean the stakes weren't very high? Like it's literally the entire future is at stake. In this episode. Yeah, but I mean, but you but but you couldn't feel the intensity by the by the way the the episode was laid out. Okay, that's a fair criticism. Yeah, like it was just I didn't feel like the music didn't didn't feel intense. Like it felt like they were on, they were on like a vacation. It felt like they were on a vacation on time, and like they were just hanging out. Like, it, but it was never like even the thing with the cops. Like they were there were no cops trying to hunt them down. Like oh somebody they robbed somebody and beat up a cop. Like, I said there was no cops trying to looking for them. There was no like you know that that could have been something added in there to make it more intense because they had just roused the beat up cops you know yeah i get what you're saying now like the the tone didn't match the the stakes that were yeah the, the yeah. Tone, tone episode was kind of like it was kind of lighthearted you know like like a Kurt on old journey meeting this girl like i don't know like all that's really cool but there was no like oh i got to hide you because the cops are coming here to look for you because you know you did beat up right. cops earlier like yeah, the cops are coming in to search the bump the bums at the place to find out uh what what guy does oh that uh, that he recognizes that guy that's the guy who beat me up et cetera et cetera. So I yeah. feel like even though the stakes were the stakes were like big, I feel like the intensity of the episode wasn't didn't match the stakes. Yeah, that makes sense. I get, I get what you're saying now. So that's my big issue with the episode, and that's why uh I just thought it was kind of meh. So, okay. Yeah, I, uh, that makes perfect sense. I guess I didn't actually look at it like that. So. Uh, and you explained it well too, so thank you for answering my my question about that. Yeah. Um, but personally, uh, yeah, you're right. I I love the fucking episode. I loved it. Um, I just I don't know, man. I, I I do see the hype around it. Like I I get why it is. Again, I wish that we had more in the end of it, and 
not so much like there was I thought there was some stuff in the middle that could have been cut but god it was a really I, I really enjoyed it the whole uh you know future is gonna get fucked up thing like we don't know if she needs to live or die uh like when does McCoy get here like what does he change like does he change stuff do we change stuff and then the whole I, it's kind of hard for me to get on board like okay I understand the uh Kirk's heartbreak thing like he was really into this chick and then watched her get hit by a car and like there's nothing he can do about it but at the same time it's like dude you're really into every chick that you meet and that kind of lessens the effect for this one <laughs> you know because like he just every every chick that he meets he he gets like this about them so like who fucking cares if he lost this one like on to the next one kind of thing and and that <laughs> that part of it kind of you know that part of it's not great for me but other than that yeah i, I damn near a perfect episode for me on this one yeah i guess it'd be different if it's like spock's girl like, oh, Spock, they like, read into women. So if it had been Spock, it would have yeah. felt different. Or if he just wasn't so much as a, a ladies' man all the time. Like, it's really hard to... He's he's that friend that every time he meets somebody new, they're the one. And that's the love of his life. And that's the one he's going to marry. Yeah. He's that yeah. friend. Yeah. Yep. And and every okay. time he does it, it's like, okay, yeah, you're kind of rolling your eyes. Like, yeah, dude, hope you're real happy together. Like, And then the that's next what, one is like, this is the one. Time. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, so that's that's my only uh, my only point of uh, contention, I guess, for this episode. But other than that, yeah, uh, absolutely loved it. So, Dan, I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. I loved the episode. Everything you said about it, I I can't disagree with it. And I I enjoyed seeing the the results of what happens throughout the episode. That it actually carries with Kirk at the end of the episode, which I kind of appreciate. The they don't leave it on a joke. Yes, they just kind of leave it on a a somber no so i appreciated that it might be it might be my favorite episode it's pretty close if not see that's crazy i gotta be the only one i must be the only person on earth that don't like this episode you might be yeah i i might be the one and it's just i I see where you're coming from paul like what's like the cops being knocked out in the music when i play my issue like my issue literally is i just i felt like for an episode that was so great and had so many good ideas the intensity would have been uh, struck because I was, I was while well, other episodes we have the intensity is there from the beginning to the end. Like you're you're in there, you're like oh my, you know, it's like suspenseful. You know, I felt like this is literally like it was. This is very like bled vacationy when I felt like this could have been so much more intense with all the things going on. So I just I don't know. Can, can I make a point about the cop issue that you brought up yeah. earlier? And this this is me thinking out loud. Huh? It's the 1930s. Cops are being used to shot at by like people like Al Capone and stuff like that. So maybe getting knocked out isn't that big of an issue back then. Well, I don't know if when they, you know you got prohibition yeah, I, and all I, that stuff. I'm not stuff sure if they, we're in a big city. I'm not sure if it's a small city outside of town. I don't know how big it is. So therefore, this could be a really big deal. But you do you don't beat up a cop and, and they just forget about it. No matter what time you're in, no, no matter what time you're in, like you just beat up a cop and you stole some clothes. And no matter what time you're in, I feel like there should have been some cop presence looking for them in this episode. Yeah, but you have to look at it as like it's it's just a device for them to have to run from something and meet Edith. Like that's the entire point of the whole cop thing. Like it's it's literally yeah, just a plot device. Like, it could have yeah, been it's, it's, they got it's caught a plot stealing device the clothes. Thought, yeah, but I thought the the plot device is well. Then why even get caught then? Well, no, I'm saying they could have been caught by the person that owns the clothes, and that person wanted to beat them up, and then they ran and hid in the cellar. Like it's literally just a well, device well, to get them onto the next part. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe just me being me. I just yeah, yeah I don't, I don't think I, it's I don't, I don't I, think it's meant to be looked at too seriously. 
Yeah, I just think that shit. I think it should have been looked at more seriously because I feel like it could have been. It could have added some more extra intensity of them trying to hide and solve things and try to do things uh, while uh, trying to make the computer things like that. They're like, trying to make it more of a. Uh, uh, we don't belong here. We got to be careful because they're looking for us while we're doing all other stuff. I feel like they could have been really added to this episode to make it more intense, to make it more uh, to make it a lot more intense for such a great idea and really cool concepts. So just the episode was just it, it was just kind of. Mm. I didn't, I wasn't, I don't know, I wasn't really into it. It was kind of bleh. Yeah, well, we'll keep that one in mind when we do our end of the season uh, wrap-up. We'll see which one you really think is your your least favorite. Uh, yeah, we'll see. But that is going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, our next episode is going to be Season 1, Episode 29, Operation Annihilate. We get an exclamation point at the end of that, and that is our final episode for the first season of this show. I feel like we've been uh, doing this for quite a while now. So, it's been uh, a few months. Yeah, do we have a description for that one, Paul? Oh, uh, we do. It says Kurt and the Enterprise must combat parasitic aliens. So, ooh, uh, uh, alien literally <laughs> from aliens, yeah. literally. <laughs> Who knows? All right. But it sounds like it'll be fun. It'll be cool. It'll be our last one of the season. I'm excited for it. And, uh, ooh, let's hopefully do it, it ends on a high note. So, yep, let's hope so. So, all right. Well, with that, as always, Twitter at WWST underscore podcast. Gmail is WWSTpod at gmail.com. And uh, we are everywhere that you find your favorite podcast. So if you want to switch to another uh, podcast player, we're most likely on there. And uh, as always, thank you guys for listening to us. And I will catch you on the next episode. Later, guys. Later.